first questions about the past. So I'll start with Blue. Okay. Uh, how did your parents feel about you moving to LA? Uh, I, I had a, I had a mixed bag. My 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 mom's always been very supportive. Uh, my my dad was very uh, skeptical. Mm -hmm. I think he just assumed I'd, I'd come back after a little while. Uh, so he uh, we didn't communicate very well about that move mm -hmm. at the time, and it wasn't until a lot later that he saw that. I was earning some money <laughs> that he was okay with it. <laughs> what did, was it a tough choice for you, or was it something you just knew you were going to do? Well, I didn't know anything about the... There was no band at that time. There was mm -hmm. no, none of the music. I, I was moving out because my buddy, Pat Finn, basically said you should move out here. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. And uh, I had just finished art school, and I didn't really have a plan, and I didn't want to stay in Baltimore where I'd, where I'd gone to school. So I was like... Yeah, I'll go out there. We'll have, you know, it'll be fun. Uh -huh. And at the time, I didn't know. I barely knew Pat Wilson. I didn't know any of the other guys at all yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, through Pat Finn, I met everybody. Mm -hmm. And they didn't become Weezer to, for another like, like, like eight months after I moved out there. It was so it was '91. Yeah. yeah. Were, are you still in touch with Pat Finn? Is oh yeah. He still in LA? No, he's in Portland, Oregon. Portland. I'm actually going to see him. Uh, Is he still do tomorrow. Organic Mechanic? Well, he's. They don't call it that anymore. Uh -huh. He's going to call it, uh, this is great, he's going to call it The Gaze, but it's spelled G-A-Z-E. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and it's basically him and his original uh, drummer, Talbot, who's a producer guy. Mm -hmm. And they don't really have any other band members right now. So they're just, gonna re they're just recording an album, and I don't know if they're going to actually have a band or not. It's just going to be, they're, gonna make, they're making an album. Now. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good music. So uh, what were your first impressions of Matt and Rivers? Um, my earliest impression of Matt was really negative because he, at the time, lived in Northern California and he had come down for like a visit for a couple of days and he stayed at our apartment and he, oh no, no, it might have yeah, an earlier impression of him. This is hilarious. The, the contrast is hilarious. Okay, my first impression of him was I had come out to visit LA in January of 90, I think, mm -hmm. or January 91 or 90, I can't remember which. I know, January 91. and. Him and Pat and Rivers had just moved in together in this place in, in, uh, in L.A. And uh, Matt was, was in this... Was that Amherst? No, no, this is before Amherst. It was this other place. And uh, Matt was in this super depressed phase. So all he did is he wore black turtlenecks. And he had these little round glasses, which I guess he still kind of has. And uh, his hair is kind of like up, you know? Like kind of like a little more like new wave. And he would sit, they didn't have any furniture at this apartment because they couldn't afford it. It was a nice apartment, but they couldn't afford anything. They had no refrigerator, no stove. So he'd sit on lawn furniture, like those like fold-out, like mm -hmm. soft, like bendy chairs, and watch Woody Allen films on his little TV. And there was nothing else in the whole living room. And I just remember like going, going in and out with Pat, the two Pats and screwing around, and every time it was just Matt like this. <laughs> Watching. I was like, what's up with that? And I was like, well, you know. <laughs> and then... Years later, when he came to our apartment on Stoner from Northern California, he was completely plastered, and it was like three in the morning. And he kept like come barging into our bedroom and waking us up and like screwing, like tripping over things and knocking things over. And it was just like, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't until like later that I that I actually got to know him and understood that you know he was cool, but he mm -hmm. just you know he expressed himself very strangely back then. <laughs> uh, Who's the other Rivers. person I was? Rivers. Uh, my first impression of him was that uh, that previous apartment mm -hmm. for him and Matt, and, and he was just moving in when I was when I was visiting there, and uh, 
he was like, literally just moving into that place from somewhere else. Like his whole thing with his old like kind of metal bands had just kind of fallen apart at that point. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of like reorganizing his life, and he had the long hair, no glasses, and uh, he was just like he's literally like boxes were coming in. Like he was carrying boxes mm -hmm. in and setting them up in the bedroom. And I remember like maybe the next day uh, he he was playing some of his demos and at the time his demos were so early on like he'd only written a few on his own mm -hmm. that were like songs and he played a he had a song called Christmas in LA which was he wrote for the Christmas of 1990 because mm -hmm. he was like alone and lonely in LA and there's nothing going mm -hmm. on and then he had this song called The Bushman which was like based on this sample of some drum beat I can't remember what it was but it was just like this like super like aggressive like it, it was a really cool song actually and I remember those those are the songs he played he didn't really have anything even remotely like Weezer at all back then. It was right. like it was either like kind of like almost like almost funky kind of angry stuff, or jokey songs. Like those mm -hmm. are the two things he was doing at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, out of all the that early Weezer sixty wrong sausages material, uh, songs like I Can't Forget the Way and Spider Bitch and Mega Man, the biggest animal. Uh, which one, when they were first starting out, were you really into? What was your favorite? Um, well, the earliest stuff was actually leftover stuff from Pat Wilson and Rivers' band called Fuzz, uh -huh. and that was like the biggest animal, and uh, there was like five or six songs, mm -hmm. and I thought those were amazing. I mean, they were so, it was like kind of like, it was almost in like the Jane's Addiction kind of territory, mm -hmm. but like, and that was cool back then. I mean, that, those, yeah. guys, those guys were rad, and so I was really impressed with that. But obviously that had nothing to do with, you know, what, how things ended up being. But it, it was, I dug that stuff. And I always dug, and Pat's, Pat's song, Mega Man, I've always loved. Mm -hmm. he, he originally did an instrumental of it at our apartment on uh, Stoner. He did it on a four-track. And I remember him emerging from a bedroom, one of our two bedrooms, like with this big smile on his face. And he's like, you got to check this out. And, of course, he, it was just like this distorted drum beat from a, a, a HR-16 uh, drum machine and uh, like a little quick bass line and this like two guitar parts that had these, these crazy like rotary flange effects on them and it was like the coolest song ever uh, and we were all like yeah and, and he's like what's it called and he's like Mega Man <laughs> but there was no lyrics at that time and later they Sexy Wrong Sasha did their demo he did a version with, with lyrics which was also good but uh, I remember being super stoked on that but all the River songs, uh, Biggest Animal, uh, I can't remember the name, like Burn Your Bridges one, mm -hmm. uh, I Will Not Cross Over, these, they're just, they're just huge. Are they in the vein of The Answer Man? Yeah, yeah, they? they're all like, they're just, I don't, I don't even think The Answer Man's the best song, it's just the one that's the most like in your face aggressive, uh -huh. but they're, they're all cool. Was this before they got into Nirvana? Or was this yeah, as they Yeah, that in? was, um, yeah, those songs existed before, well, I think Rivers was aware of Nirvana because he got into he got into uh, what do you call uh, Sliver, Sliver. Mm -hmm. and it was, that was actually before I was even aware of what Sliver was because I remember being in college in like eighty nine, ninety, ninety one, and we were like, oh, Mud Honey, like all these sub pop mm -hmm. bands, but Nirvana was just another sub pop band, like Tad, like like we were more concerned with Tad and Mud Honey than Nirvana because who the hell knew what Nirvana was, you know, but. By obviously when Nevermind came out, it was like, oh shit, we all, everybody stood up and took notice. It was like, wait a minute, like yeah. now we see what's going on. But up until that point, it was more like, I don't know what, what I don't know if anything Nirvana influenced his songs that, th those songs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, it might have, but.
but I, I don't hear it in there. I hear more of like him trying to retain that kind of like almost like because back then it was like if it wasn't Jane's Addiction or the Chili Peppers, it was nothing. I mean, it uh -huh. was like it was so those were such huge uh -huh. forces out there, you know. And I think everybody kind of had that like yeah, yeah, man, we can be kind of we can kind of be funky. We can kind of have uh -huh. you know those kind of beats. And I, I think there was some of that influence in there. I'm, at least I'm guessing uh -huh. because. I don't think Rivers thought he could sing back then. Uh -huh. Like, uh, he hadn't found his like you know that great voice he has. He was kind of like like straining it more. It's that airy voice. He's yeah, playing. yeah. Like he was straining it more, and so uh -huh. it was more suited to like these kind of aggressive medley kind of songs, mm -hmm. you know. So, and I guess Sliver wouldn't would fit right in, except for the songwriting must have influenced him more in a pop direction. Mm -hmm. I would say, I would think. Was Nirvana before Pixies for you guys? Um, I always. Assumed that that uh, Pixies was before Nirvana, uh -huh. um, but it was about simultaneous. Like uh -huh. it was kind of like this realization that, like, wait a minute, this is the sound. Like these guys have it right, you know. Yeah. And that was like, I, I just remember when they were like, him and Pat were first sitting down and trying to come up with fifty songs. It was like late '91. I yeah. remember they were like trying to do like you know like. Man, we got, let's try to do something like the bass, or let's try to do something like that. Yeah. Like, can, can we do that kind of thing? That would be a sick one to cover. Yeah. If <laughs> Pat was talking about it, he was See, talking about. He had, a, he had a list of Pixie songs, and it was just a matter of like, can we can we get it together and do mm -hmm. it? It's a tough one. The drums are. Yeah. There's so, a, well, there's a lot of tough. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. If Pat's singing and playing guitar, who's playing drums? Mm -hmm. Rivers is a good drummer, but there's certain so, there's, the cer there's certain that, songs that are tough. Yeah. And tough to get it right. So mm -hmm. so that, there's always like a. Mm -hmm. They're always strategizing. These past things are much changing up his cover now. Really? And it's got some cool ideas. So, uh, what? Do you have a memory that is just, it's your favorite, your fondest memory from before the band was signed? Mm. Sticks out more than anything else? Um, probably that whole, our goofy ass three show tour we did in my truck with a trailer that had no top, so we had to have a, a tarp over the gear. It was like the U-Haul trip. Like U-Haul so ran, ran out of the ones with the top, you know? Uh -huh. And we, we went up to uh, to San, uh, San Jose and Eureka and uh, Guerneville uh -huh. and did that outdoor party. I mean, it was it was real ghetto. Was that was, where you filmed Jonas yeah, on the VCD? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. We filmed that whole show, but that was the only one that I used for that. It's still got to get out there. Uh, it, it, it's... <laughs> I think that was the most, because there's this incredible sense of like, you know, camaraderie and no uh -huh. idea what the hell we were doing. It was just total by the seat of your pants. It was really uh -huh. funny. And I had to probably single that out as like the fun. And also, I remember on the ride back down mm -hmm. in my car, like we were like an hour from LA that night, coming back from wherever, San Francisco. And I remember Rivers pulling out a cassette and saying, you know, what do you guys think of this? And it was no one else's demo. And he had never played it for anybody before. And it was like, this mm -hmm. is a different direction. I've got a question right here. <laughs> but uh, before that, uh, just, you, you know, some of the names that you said Weezer was considering was stuff like the Big Jones and the mm -hmm. Sniblet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Was there one that you thought was the best, like, the name to go with? Not really. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought they were all kind of funny, but uh, there's like Meathead and all these <laughs> funny names. I... I I remember, I remember Pat saying this niblet for the first time, and me going, okay, that's clever, but it's kind of bizarre. And yeah. there was something like the big leafy green something or other <laughs> machine. Like, there's all these funny names that, it's kind of like Jason was the, the influence on those, because he always was into that, like, yeah, that down home country. Like Grand kind of, Groove Junction. Yeah, the Brotherhood Groove <laughs> Junction. 
the first song that Weezer recorded and then played live was I Can't Forget the Way. Is that, like, do you think that stands out among the early material? Do you think that's ever something the band would that's consider? A good, I always thought that was a cool song. Uh -huh. A lot of their early songs I thought were really cool. Is they, that they kind were, of a soft one or a rockin' one? It was pretty rockin'. Um, actually, it was really rockin'. Uh, that one and, like, Cole Machine and a couple others back then, they were, like, rockin' tunes. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were, like, aggressive. I, I, I call them, like, a bridge between that kind of, like, that kind of fuzz material, you know, like the Answer Man kind of material, and, like, what we call, like, you know, early Weezer, like, you know, the Jonas's and the Undoves mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Because it, it was, like, it was definitely pop and melodic, but it was pretty heavy. And they, mm -hmm. they'd record it in these ways where like, they'd intentionally, like, distort the trim on the 8-track uh, so you'd get more distortion and stuff. So it... I, I would I would hope people would hear that someday. It's a cool song. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think is better, uh, Rivers' version of "Don't Worry, Baby" or Rivers' version of "Surfer Girl"? I don't know how to I don't know how to rate them. They're, I like them both. Um, probably "Don't Worry, Baby" just because I like that song a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been built. Yeah, it's cool. Uh huh. Uh, what was it like at the Amherst house when the band, like, everything was official and they were signed? Dude, it was chaos. People were throwing couches out of windows and stuff. There Did was, you have everyone over that you knew? There was, I just remember this insane party. It was just, it was just goofy. Uh-huh. Um, uh, our, our Todd, or the A&R guy, came over and it was like this celebration. It's mm -hmm. just, it just nuts. And that, that, but that paled in comparison to the going away party when they actually went the night before we went to New Destroyed York. Destroyed the toilet. All that stuff, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was it was jubilant, man. People were just like freaking out. How were you allowed to fly out to New York? What did, did Geffen pay for you? Yeah, um, I was sort of hired on, you know, as part of the record budget at that point. The band didn't have any mm -hmm. business, you know, they, they, they hadn't even set up a business agreement, so it's not like they could even hire me officially, so it was like a Geffen mm -hmm. thing. And I think it was like, we need Carl. And they uh -huh. said, you know, we can fit that in the budget. So That's just, awesome. Just went like that. Uh, okay, so Pinkerton. Uh, were you were you kind of upset when you saw Songs from the Black Hole changing into Pinkerton? Or were you... Were you um, well, it wasn't so much upset. It was like taking me off guard because I would be like out of the picture for three, four months at a time. And then to come back and all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's all these new songs being rehearsed. Uh -huh. I'm sure it was taking the other guys off guard too, but, you know, they had to play them, so they didn't, you know, what are you going to do? It was like, yeah. okay, here's the songs. Yeah. Um, in, in a sense, that was kind of a relief because I was always skeptical that it could be pulled off. Mm -hmm. I, today I know they could pull it off. Like, yeah. like they have, like, the, the stagecraft, they have the clout to say, can we get in three people to do this? Can we get two of these things to happen? Can we get one of this to happen? Like, mm -hmm. there's like that, there's a much more professional at the time it was like, you know here's our amps, here's our guitars and we go on the stage at CBGB he's like, how are you going to pull off mm -hmm. what you want to do here? And you've got you got to have guest vocalists. Matt was talking about these like special stage props where you'd go up and this light would shine down and like, you know, like all this crazy shit would happen and I was like, so I was like, it's rad, but I, I just had this, I had a sense in my, in my gut that like this isn't gonna work, not not today anyway, mm -hmm. and so, but I never said anything. I was just like, it's cool and I love the music, but I wonder how they're gonna do that. Is this really gonna go down? And so when it did change, my only surprise was what it changed into. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you know, where where did this come from? This mm -hmm. whole Japanese thing, and then I, he he showed me the letter and all that stuff that that that, that inspired. Uh, across the sea and how uh -huh. kind of things, everything started changing while he was going to Harvard that, that semester. Yeah. And, uh, like, and a lot of that stuff was had to do with uh, people he met at Harvard, 
people, uh, his leg. Yeah. Um, like the good life was all about literally like walking around Harvard Square in the snow with a cane, with a beard, and nobody knew him or anything. Mm -hmm. And I always thought, well, if you shaved your beard, they would recognize you. But you know, that was his personal. <laughs> I think he wanted it. That's where the inspiration's <laughs> yeah, coming from. Yeah, yeah. It was almost but. like you know, you know what? I'm in enough pain right now. Let's just make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll really write some songs. That's the Weezer way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when you listen to Superfriend, Superfriend, what version do you consider definitive? Is it the one that we got on alone? Um, I think I can't remember what versions there are. The one on alone is about three minutes thirty seconds, kind of a soft intro and outro. Right, right, right. They may have he may have done, and that may be one of the things where he he edited it to make it the way he wanted it to be. Did he do that with Dude? We're finally landing to maybe because there's some clipping in there. Yeah, there was there were some there were some there were some things where he's like, Well I've always liked this but I've always hated this problem and I wanna uh -huh. fix it. So he uh -huh. said, Well, since I'm putting it out, you know, take it to the lab and make it fixed. Mm -hmm. Now I don't remember offhand which is embarrassing, uh the differences in Superfriend, but um I may have to take a pass on that question because I don't really remember offhand what's cool the differences. I what I when I fell in love with the song was the first time I heard it and it was a demo he had made. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming in uh, Connecticut mm -hmm. that, that winter in 94, 95, or 95, or whatever that was. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, for a while, that was the only version I knew about. Mm -hmm. So, and then there was that, rep I think there was like a reprise or something he did or something like that. Mm -hmm. Is that song still your favorite, or is it just the nostalgia it's all, it's, it's, keeps it's, it your it's, it's in my It's in my favorites. I've uh -huh. always thought that was just a really neat song. Uh -huh. do, uh -huh. you, do you have a recorded version of, because you said that one time the band did it, with Rachel on a, on a sound check. Yeah, there's no recording of that, oh. and it's sad because we had so many AV failures in the early days. Like, uh -huh. like my video camera crapped out somewhere in '94, and we didn't get another one until Todd, the A&R guy, lent me his. Mm -hmm. So for a while, there was a gap of, of no videotape. But then I remember our bus driver had taken some video. You remember? You, you ever see the uh, the footage from like Tom's River, New Jersey? Uh, it's like an outdoor festival kind of thing. It's 94. Yeah, yeah. That was from the bus driver's footage. I, we never, nobody ever knew that that existed until, until he's like, you want to copy my tape? And I'm like, yeah! <laughs> and that was like considered lost That's forever. That's killer. But, but anyway, uh, what was I saying? What was I saying? All the AV failures. Oh yeah, yeah. And then my camera. I had so many camera problems that uh -huh. there was just, there's almost no fo photos from back then. Mm -hmm. It's just really a shame. Like, I went to, like, four cameras that kept breaking on me. But anyway, uh, uh, when they did those sound checks, I don't think anything got recorded, audio or video. Mm -hmm. It's a shame. So, uh, hypothetically speaking, if Rivers did get the Homie album released, do you think that that would have been the end of Weezer? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it, he considered it a pet project. Really? Yeah. Like, he, he was excited about it, but it wasn't like, this is my new direction of mm -hmm. my life. I so he wasn't determined. Well, was he determined to get it released, or was it just whatever happens, happens? Well, I think if he, if he was determined, determined to get it released, it would have been released, uh -huh. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, can you remember what it was like when you guys recorded American Girls? Because hadn't Matt already left the band? No, he hadn't left yet oh, then. Okay. I wasn't there for that session, mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't even remember where it was. But uh, it was it was it it happened, and I found out about it after the fact. Mm -hmm. And so, by the time I found out about it, there was all this talk like, you know, I think we think Matt's leaving. And then 
back then, since there was no like day-to-day updating and no website that was really that really knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. By the time I I put out a we a, a weezine that talked about Matt leaving, it was also mm-hmm. announcing this homie thing and this this American. And it was like it seemed like confusing. Like, well, how is it that he's part of that if he's gone? But well, that's because it happened four months earlier. You uh-huh. know? Like it was I think it was the last thing they kind of collaborated on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both happened to be in New York City. I think they did it in New York for some reason. Really? Because I think Rivers had been in Connecticut or, or Harvard or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember exactly now, but uh-huh. but they, basically it's a lot of people were invited down to help out with guys from Cake and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they had a good time. Do you have a favorite homie song? Um, I really like the uh, like the Lover in the Snow. Uh-huh. I, I think I got a new appreciation for it when I was cutting the video together. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I like, I like them all, though. They're all cool. Uh-huh. Um, at that time, because w- after that they went back to record, what direction did you see the third album taking at that time? Um, I didn't have anything to go on. Really? Like, all the weird, all the demos that had happened uh, after, like, once they got back together that summer, I didn't hear any of that stuff. They mm-hmm. didn't even send it to the manager. Like, nobody knew what they were doing in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found out all all of that stuff. I found out about later after the fact, like in 2000, once you know we were back together, and, and Rivers was starting to show me his stacks of demos and you know lists of stuff. And I was like, whoa, there's all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. here. But at the time, all I ever knew about was like I talked on the phone with Pat Wilson a few times, and he'd tell me a little bit about what was going on. And he's like, yeah, man, it's pretty heavy. There's a couple cool songs. I don't know. I, I'm not into it too much. It's kind of weird, mm-hmm. you know. And it. But they, it was like these flashes of brilliance. It was uh-huh. like, oh man, this song is great. And then like next week, oh yeah, we're not doing that anymore. Why? Is that what happened with Prettiest Girl? Um, I don't know what happened. I think Rivers never felt that he finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he thought it was missing a part, which I guess technically it is. And so he, he shelved it just because he didn't feel it was done. Mm-hmm. And that happens to a lot of songs that mm-hmm. people think are great. Like, you know, come yeah. on, do finish it, but he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Smile. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so my favorite is Make Believe, and uh, mm. yeah, I get some heat for that. That's cool. No, that's cool. <laughs> no, um, There's some good shit on there, Rob. What do you, what's the best song to not make Make Believe, in your opinion? Oh, um. Because there's all those fallen soldiers. Oh, right, right. That have, they've gotten to the point where it's on par with Homie. With the fans. Yeah, th- some of those I personally don't like that much because I didn't feel they were they're given the right treatment. Like mm-hmm. there were songs that I really liked, and then by the time they were getting almost finished with it, I thought something's not right to me. Which is kind of what happened to some of the Green Album stuff. Like it felt like it got like too stiff or whatever by the mm-hmm. time they finished it. And like like Love Is the Answer early on mm-hmm. was awesome. Now maybe there's that version waiting to be picked up and finished up. I don't know. But the one that they were close to finishing, personally, I was like, this isn't as, this isn't as epic as I remember it being. Mm-hmm. Like, something got, like, pulled back out of it. Like, it, like, went to the brink and got, came back. Was it some dynamic or something? Yeah, just some, some feel about it. So, uh-huh. now, I'm not saying that's how anybody else might hear it or see it. Yeah. It's just me... Like, you know, you emotionally get into something when you hear it, and then when you start hearing things change, you, uh-huh. you start going, well, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I like that. Do you, you feel know? that often when they, because Weezer songs, they're just reworked a ton. Yeah, it, it's happened, it's happened a bunch over the time. It's actually better for me to, to not hear mm-hmm. stuff until it's almost ready, because mm-hmm. then I have a better opinion about it, yeah. a better objective opinion. Um, 
is there anything that you thought should have been on Make Believe that wasn't, or for the most part, do you think the album is exactly the way it should have been? Uh, some songs just didn't turn out the way I, w I wish they had. Like, I, early on, my best friend was really cool, and I can't explain why. And that also goes for the one, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, pardon me. Pardon me. Yeah, and even drugs. I mean, like back when they were doing acoustically, I thought that was a cool song. It never occurred to me it might be, you know, seen as like too repetitive or whatever you want to call it. It didn't feel that way to me back then. Mm -hmm. So, and as far as ones that didn't make it, like my only my major feeling about that is basically if Love Is the Answer was on there, but the way I remember hearing it originally. Mm -hmm. And I really liked um, uh, Our Last Chance. Mm -hmm. Those two songs in particular I thought were really cool. Mm -hmm. The other ones, there's a couple that actually are, they went too far in a, like... Just quirky? It just like, like this one almost sounds like disco, this one almost sounds like exactly like the Beatles. Like there was just things that you were... Said, I remember saying, you said one of them was Paperback Writer. It almost was, yeah. Uh -huh. and it was like, I was like, this isn't... I was glad that wasn't on there. Because uh -huh. people would have said, like, what the hell. Yeah. You know? Even though it was cool. But it was like, what the hell? Why did you do that? You yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so that's the past. Okay. This is now. Mm -hmm. um, this what is now. <laughs> now. This is now. What era of Weezer uh, holds the fondest memories for you? I don't know. I get nostalgic about everything, even even stuff that I hated at the time. <laughs> um, I'm, I, I remember feeling oddly nostalgic for like 2000, like a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it felt like everything's different and weird, and like wow, you know, like you know, it's not like it used to be. Everything's all like crazy and like. But looking back, like those were some fun times, you know. Mm -hmm. um, like all the times with Mikey and stuff, you know, there's some pretty hilarious stuff went down, mm -hmm. uh, and that wasn't that long ago. Um, I mean, I always have a soft spot for the early days before they were signed. I mean, yeah. that, that was that was a magic time that I just wish had been. It's got know. that innocence. Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there was stuff that I would never. It's like it's like anything. It's like you look back on like, oh man, you know, I, I sure we need to go back to when I was whatever age. But then you think, oh wait a minute though. I really don't want to do that again, and I don't want that to happen again. So, you know, it's like, uh -huh. that. It's like that for all the eras. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't want to... I know what, like, where the most confusion and pain was, and mm -hmm. so, but there's only a few times where it felt like that. You know, most mm -hmm. of the time it was pretty rad. When so. did you think it was just, like, things are falling apart? I remember, I remember somewhere in the Pinkerton tour, there was kind of like a weird meltdown. It, yeah. It, uh, it was related to when you saw that AP article, that old AP article where where they kind of yeah there was yeah yeah I that was kind of a dark period yeah. uh, it was a bummer mm -hmm. right around the Good Life video shoot that whole like stretch shows, time like spring '97 yeah. basically was rough mm -hmm. um, and then uh, there was a period like right right in the middle of the Green Album stuff that was pretty dark and it wasn't necessarily the Mikey thing it was more like like it was really hard to communicate with Rivers like mm -hmm. extra hard 
like to a point where nobody really knew where they stood. There was no sense of like group camaraderie. Like it was mm-hmm. just like this kind of like strange feeling. I remember not. I didn't dig that either. Mm-hmm. Um, those two I'd probably single out as like nadirs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there? I know you weren't in with Red, but is there a producer that you just felt Weezer worked best with? Um, so I guess Rick Rubin themselves or Rick Casey. Damn, that's tough. Um, they, they, Rick Ocasek was perfect for what they did but when they used him. And I think Rick mm-hmm. Rubin was initially perfect. Uh, kind of saved the band. Yeah, it was, it was, he was perfect for Rivers. Yeah. Rivers needed somebody to like, yeah. like, be, a, like be a guidepost. So that was good. Did you think his involvement ever got too... Too much, or no? I think I think I think it was all all positive in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, in a sense, I think they they work best alone if they're confident about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But now we're going into this new thing with Jackknife, and they're all they're all stoked on him now because mm-hmm. you know, it was so easy to work with him. I think yeah. they they hadn't had a producer where it was just like, you know, he knows what he's doing musically. And he's easy to work with. Like mm-hmm. Rick is so easy to work with, but it's all like this intuitive kind of thing. Rick mm-hmm. Ocasek is technically like right on the ball. He knows exactly how to make a record, um, and he's funny. But you don't get a sense of like, like he is friendly and he's a really sweet guy. But you don't get a sense of like, like you're with them. It's kind of like you know we come together and now I'm going to go back to my hotel and you guys can go back to your hotel and that, you know mm-hmm. like it, it didn't. I, I don't know. I'm just speaking from my own experience, uh-huh. but. They may have never found the right, the really the right combination. I think in the Red Album, when they were working kind of alone, I mean, Rick was in, sort of in the background, yeah. not, not in touch, but not, not part of it. That might have been their best, because it, it really, when I was there for a couple of weeks, it felt super creative, super, like, everything was flowing right, really optimistic, really positive. Mm-hmm. Like, they were in charge of their ship, they know exactly what they're doing. Like, mm-hmm. that, that felt like, like the most productive I'd seen them. Is that, you think that's carrying on to album seven? Well, they're going to be working with Jackknife, but uh-huh. it's not too different because Jackknife's kind of on the same wavelength as them. Uh-huh. So, and, and they all want to work quickly. They, yeah. all want to, they, all want to, they don't want to bog down. So mm-hmm. it could be really cool. Is, I know that you can't really speak about much and nothing is really solidified for Album 7 yet, but are they, are they looking at all new material or is there anything that didn't make red they want to go back to? Um, I've heard, t- well, actually I've heard talk of both. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's 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 talk of everybody bringing in new songs, but there's also talk of oh, there's all these great songs that we didn't we never finished. So Piece we should work on. I'll be I'll be putting in my suggestions if they ask for them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna ask about that too. You set out for album six for the most part, and uh, do you think you'd do that for album seven? Well, I'm gonna be there for the beginning of it because it's starting in November, and I'll be in town for that. Uh-huh. And they don't know if they're gonna finish it in this first session, mm-hmm. which is gonna go into like probably right around New Year's or maybe February or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I won't be there for that part of it. Like I'm, I'm gonna be back east for the holidays, mm-hmm. so it, it might actually be kind of cool because I actually don't think I should be there for the whole thing anymore. It, mm-hmm. it, 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 unless something changes, it felt like like maybe I should have been there a little more on the sixth one because I was only there for like like three weeks total out of the whole thing mm-hmm. and that was like the whole thing was like months and months and months but uh, I don't think I should be there for, mm-hmm. for the majority of the time I don't think it's right mm-hmm. not not because my opinion isn't valued not because I, it's a bummer it's just uh, 
there's a sense when I'm there that like, okay, you're, you're being documented. And it's almost like sometimes, you know, when, when nobody's paying attention is when all the inspiration happens. Mm -hmm. That's my, that's what I've seen. Mm -hmm. uh, would you ever, would you ever look at another VCD? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not been talked about officially, but uh -huh. I mean, there's certainly enough boot, boatloads of material yeah. to go on it. Both since then and before the old days, you know, mm -hmm. there's tons more stuff. Alright, uh, would you, would you be interested in a, uh, a big Weezer box set? Um, nice booklet. There's certainly the material and the, and the quality to do it, if, uh -huh. if everybody agreed to it and it was all cool. Uh -huh. um, I mean, my vote is yes. Yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> yeah. um, Rivers is working on his kind of recollection of Weezer's formation. Have you ever considered making your own kind of biography of the band? Um, it's, I've thought about it a little, and it would be not so much like a detailed written thing the way his is, but more like a collection of memories, not mm -hmm. necessarily just for me either. Mm-hmm. And a lot, like as much visual imagery as possible, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to the almost like meticulous, like diary and inner thoughts kind of thing that Rivers is writing. It would mm -hmm. be more like you know, stories and anecdotes and pictures and you know, like a collection like that. Mm -hmm. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, what do you consider uh, Carlophone's crowning achievement? <laughs> there is none yet, but I like oh, my last. On. I like my last album. I like the, the one with the green cover. It's your favorite? It, it, yeah, oh, definitely. The, the mm -hmm. first one's no good compared to that one, in my opinion. Um, there's a couple of good songs on the first one, I think, kind of, but the second one, I was, I was way happier with the second one. Mm -hmm. um, and I just hope I can make something better for the third one. Uh -huh. <laughs> Have you started on that at all? A little bit. Just a uh -huh. little bit. I haven't had time. I literally haven't had time. Mm -hmm. I've got tons and tons of material and no time to organize anything and write stuff. But uh, lots of ideas, like like notebooks full of ideas. <laughs> Do you ever write alternative music, or are you just looking at sampling and hip-hop? Uh, well, the funny thing is is that I think all my influence comes from alternative music and, uh -huh. and, and being around Weezer and stuff, so I, I think if, if, you, if, you, if you think about my songs in terms of structure, they're kind of like pop songs, because that's the way they flow. Like, yeah. it's not like, oh, let's just have a 40-minute trance out, you know? Like, I don't, I'm not into that. Like, I, I want parts, you know? Like, mm -hmm. part, song parts, you know? A, B, here's the bridge, back to A, you know? Mm -hmm. You're, you know, sort of the solo, you know what I mean? So I think that way, even though the sound I want is a more, like, you know, hip-hop kind of, whatever you want to call it, then, mm -hmm. you know? It really doesn't fit into a genre. That's good. It's, it is good. <laughs> it's unique. Uh, have you and Rivers ever collaborated on anything? Um... The answer is, the short answer is yes, but the long answer is not significantly. Um, mm -hmm. There's a couple early things back in the old days that you may have known about in the recording history, but we've never sat down. So like, like Rivers has mentioned, like you know, you should, you should, you know, you should, uh, we should do something sometime. Like that's that's come up on occasion, mm -hmm. and it's you know, the the dynamic of how to do that is never been really broach as a subject mm -hmm. but uh, I have a hard enough time collaborating with anybody really to be honest like, yeah. like I'm such a like I just go into my zone and mm -hmm. then like when I sent stuff to Pat for him to do that one B side of mine I don't know if you know about that one that If You Listen song 
Mm. He, were, he did. He did the guitar, and he he reworked that song significantly. And he's like, "Please send me more stuff. I love doing that." Uh-huh. And a lot of people like flip that forty-five over and play that song instead because mm-hmm. they think it's better. And I'm like, "Okay, you know, like maybe that's what I should be doing." Is that on your website? That forty-five? I can't remember. I think I think it's on the MySpace. But uh, but I mean, the forty-five is for sale. Yeah, but really? um, yeah, I would have given you one if I had any here. But uh, I'll pay for it. Go <laughs> home and get it. It's, it's on the website. Yeah, it's it's the uh, because. He was credited as Franklin Mint, mm-hmm. but uh, he uh, he did the B side for that forty to forty five. He did a couple of years ago. And That's right. So I, that was a collaboration, but it was kind of like I just sent him the files, and then he mm-hmm. sent that back, and I'm like, "Cool, we're done." You know, <laughs> I don't know how it would work with Rivers. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be fun though. It'd be fun to try. Uh, who do you think is the greatest songwriter of all time? Jeez, <laughs> maybe a few of them. Oh, I don't know. Who are you into most right now, then? That's another hard question. Um, I mean, there's some... Damn. That's tough. All-time songwriters. I mean, there's some, like, obvious names that I kind of can't ignore. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily like I love all the material, but, I mean, you can't discount Brian Wilson. You can't discount Burt Bacharach. You can't discount Lennon and McCartney. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as, like, a pop songwriting, I mean, those three right there, you've covered a lot of your bases, you know, yeah. as far as, like, who's going to really come close to those guys. Uh-huh. Not too many. But then, you know, there's the whole soul side of it. I mean, Curtis Mayfield. I mean, there's so many people that just, like, laid down incredible tracks. Like, mm-hmm. such good writing. Um, I don't really count James Brown as a songwriter, even though he did, because he was more like a band leader that, you know, encouraged a groove and then came up with bizarre scat lyrics over it. Like, an incredible performer, but... I can't call those, like... Yeah. It's not, like, composition. Yeah, it was more like, you know, here's a new kind of rhythm that yeah. nobody's ever heard before, like which I count as very important, but that's not really the songwriting, mm-hmm. part of songwriting in that sense. Mm-hmm. You sound like at the piano going, mm, this chord, no, this chord, you know, it's not like yeah. that. So maybe those guys would be my names. And as for today, mm-hmm. who I like right now, I like the whole, I like so many stupid things, like... Uh, like I'm digging like that stupid song by by MIA. What's your face? Paper plane oh, song. Paper plane. Yeah, I'm digging that song. I can't help it. It's, it's got hooks. The, it's got the clash song. Yeah. It's got the clash in it. Um, it is good. But uh, who am I into? Pat turned me onto the bird and the bee. I dig that record. I just bought Vampire Weekend, but I haven't listened to it yet, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad. Um, but I heard it was good. I like I, I like some of my Morning Jacket. I definitely like Band of Horses a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, still like the Shins. Um, all that kind of business um but i'm always exploring the past i mean 90 percent of what i listen to is old yeah. at least 90 percent i'm mm-hmm. always like buying old records checking old stuff out the more obscure the better yeah <laughs> like literally i mean i'm just like what's this it's on abc i'm buying it you know <laughs> when you do that are you looking like are you looking for you know new music to enjoy it but are you also looking for samples both uh-huh. De- definitely both the best record is one that's got some killer songs on it but also some stuff that's like I gotta sample that mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like it's a slam dunk if I hear that I'm like oh I gotta buy it I don't care what it costs <laughs> what are your favorite albums right now or all time or... Mm. damn dude I don't know um, what would I say to that uh well, all time, it, I, I always have to count the Clash's albums. Mm-hmm. They always they always destroy me. 
Um, I listened to them so many times when I was between 13 and 18, and I, I can't even count thousands of times, you know, mm -hmm. too many times. So they're just in my bloodstream. Um, There's a lot of albums I love, but then I realize I love some songs on it, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to just playing it through. So I'm trying to think of songs for records where I just play it through and it's all good. Um, I think the Band of Horses did that with both their albums. I can play them both through and really dig it. Um, going back old, I, I, of course, the first, the big DJ Shadow record, I listened to that a billion times. It's a great record from start to finish. It really has a whole a sense of journey, you know, like mm -hmm. it really feels like you're, you're going somewhere with that record. Jeez. Uh, you know, I, you know what I dug? I dug Jay-Z's interpretations of American Gangster, because I thought he had really fallen off with the last record before that, and then I was like, this record's good. Like, I was, I was playing it all the way through. Another one I'm playing all the way through is the soundtrack to uh, uh, Metalocalypse. Not which is that. the uh, the uh, it's on Adult Swim on comedy on uh, Cartoon Network, <laughs> and it's the it's about the death metal band, uh -huh. and they put out a soundtrack, but they put it out they also put it out on a, a, a picture disc LP, so it's all this like blood and guts on it and stuff. But I'm like, whoever's these whoever's writing these songs knows what they're doing because these are like catchy. It's not just noise. Like uh -huh. these are, this, like I, I played it through and I'm like, I'm at the end of the record already. That was good, <laughs> but it's a hilarious show. You got to watch it. You'll you'll die laughing. Uh, do you prefer vinyl the CD or? Yeah, yeah. If whenever possible. The only problem mm -hmm. is on the road when you buy vinyl, you can't listen to it. Yeah. Well, actually, we have the record player on stage now, so I can pull that out. Yeah. Does it get damaged? <laughs> it's not. Uh, it's, it's trash, trash, dude. It's trash. It's a daily repair session. But, uh, um, yeah. Um. So I don't know. This might be kind of a hefty question, but if you had to pick a favorite song from like before Weezer. During blue and pink, the hiatus. Oh man. Green. Uh. Okay. Early on. I'll go through the albums first. Cause that's easier. Mm -hmm. Probably blue might be like holiday. Pinkerton mm -hmm. um, might be like falling for you. Uh, hiatus. I don't know. I mean, all that homey stuff, like I said, I, I, I dig a lot of those songs. I'm not sure if I could really pick one out and say that's the one. Mm -hmm. But, um... Um, with Green, I think... Damn. Probably, like, uh, Smile or uh, that other slow one near the end. What the hell is that one called? Simple Paint, Glorious Day? Yeah, Glorious Day is pretty cool. Um... I go for slob because I like that since 2000. Mm -hmm. um, make believe. <sighs> Maybe damage in your heart. Um, and the new one's tough because I like a lot of it. Maybe uh, dreaming mm -hmm. or, or the greatest man. Um, it's tough to pick out stuff from like the billions of demos, but you know uh -huh. I like Super Friend. Um, there's there's just like a handful of things that are like super cool. Maybe that maybe a great early song is uh, that nobody's ever heard yet is um, uh, oh, what the hell is it called? 
That's, that's, a, that's a super cool demo, early demo. What's that one like? Is it just soft? Yeah, thing? it's so cool. I, I don't know how to explain it. Did Pat it. help write that? Because I was looking at the recording history the other day and it made it. Well, maybe. I can't remember anymore. <laughs> Dude, question. So, I don't know. It's tough. Without looking at lists, it's hard to yeah. pick things out. Yeah. But those are, some, those are some answers for you. All right, and then... Waylon wanted me to ask how much footage of the Sound City Cat do you have? The Sound City what? The Sound City Cat. Oh! Probably a total of like a minute or two, I, I would know. guess. Okay, that was for Waylon. That's a great cat. <laughs> uh, okay, in closing, uh, is there anything that you would want to tell Weezer fans right now? Um, I thank them for their, their patience because often they, they, they expect a high level of information and they don't always get it. Um, I'd ask them to trust that you know we know what we're doing, and uh, you know to forgive things that they don't like, um, and know that the band is you know probably more so than than ever like excited to work, you know, like looking forward to the future optimistically, mm -hmm. you know, like everybody wants to keep making music and keep making records and mm -hmm. you know, just keep going, and that's and that's an honest an honest assessment of the vibe, you know. Yeah. Like, day to day, there may be confusion and, like, oh, what, you know, oh, why did Brian say this? You know, like, God damn it, and, like, stupid little things. But, like, mm -hmm. the overall vibe is, like, let's keep making records and keep writing songs. Awesome. It's, it's, really, it's a really positive feeling right now. Is there anything that you want to tell Carlophone fans? <laughs> uh, I wish there were more of you, but I'm, thank you for being one if you are. <laughs> and I will, uh, I will make a third CD. And um, and uh, I, as soon as I have anything I can I can preview on MySpace, I'll put it up for you to listen to it. All and right. uh, I'm still going. I'm, I, I'm a very persistent dude, so there may not be much evidence of it on the web right now, but I'm going to keep making more stuff. All right, final <laughs> question. Are you looking for some section? <laughs> I don't even know how you to have answer that. that. Yeah, I'll just say we're looking for sex. Who isn't? We're all looking for sex. Who is not looking for sex? You're an idiot. It's impossible to find them. Yeah, you're an idiot if you're not looking for sex. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Maybe Carl wasn't the first to finish after all. Maybe he could get more out of his time in school. Now comes a decision.